What's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to episode number 145 of the VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Camel at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. We're both on the Terps. Alex has been at a quiz night where he epically failed on, and uh, this is going to be a fun show. Epically failed, not epically failed. Second last, okay, second last. And it was nice that whenever uh, we finished one round of questioning, we'd give it to the table next to us. And it was nice that the table next to us was the winner. And you could tell they were good because when they when we swapped over, they could start marking the stuff because they already knew what was right before the <laughs> got read out. And but you could see the looks I on also, their face like, mm, oh no, oh no, this is yeah, so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and the, to make us feel better, like, well, we didn't know all of them. <laughs> I said to the young, so it was Matt uh, who uh, owns our gym. Yep. And he hosted it. And I said, it was amazing that you were able to to gather such uh, a vast different array of knowledge that all seemed to seep around anything that me or my table yeah. had any knowledge in. Yeah. We sucked, nice. man. We sucked. I've had quiz nights where I felt like an absolute genius, and then I've had quiz nights where I feel like the dumbest person in the room. Well, Tasha wants you to go in her place because she's sick of feeling like the dumbest person in the room. Oh, so she'd prefer me to feel dumber, or does she think I'd improve the score? <laughs> No, no, she thinks that you'd like that stuff. Yeah, I, I do like quizzes, because I like being yeah. right. And that's what this podcast is all about. So tonight, well, guys... I wanna... Oh, yeah, like, just before Sorry. you lead no, in... No, we... you, you do the roll-up. Yeah, so we, we've got heaps to talk about tonight. Now, Alex has got his own uh, subject that he's going to get to right now, so I won't go into that. But we're going to be talking about a few different things. Uh, we are going to be talking about... So excess deaths, it's something that we've been following uh, pretty closely on the podcast, but haven't spoken about in a little while, and they are still continuing, so we just want to give you a bit of an update on that. A key COVID, another key COVID figure has just resigned, and we're going to walk you through that, and uh, her, I guess, hall of shame uh, is probably the way to refer to it. Uh, we are also going to speak to you about... So we're not going to talk about the Trump thing. Everyone's been doing the Trump stuff to death. There's plenty of resources that you can go and look at the stuff about Trump from this week. Uh, but going on at the exact same time is the Republican GOP uh, inquiry into the Biden crime family. And there's some pretty staggering things that are coming out which are getting very little mainstream coverage. So not surprised at all that you've got this whole Trump circus all over uh, the media at the moment, and particularly on uh, NBC and CNN and all the left-wing channels are covering this stuff. Uh, yeah, there's, there's lots to go into. But first, Alex, over to you. Just really quickly, I it's a bit of a different... Uh, it's, it's shifting down a gear compared to what the subjects we'll be talking about but I'd had a conversation with an old friend of mine a couple of weeks ago and it was centered around it was mainly financial and basically uh, she couldn't get ahead financially in life and it was really frustrating her and she was in the position where she was about to get like a, a sum of money okay and then that sum of money was get became an issue because okay. of whatever you know and I had said to I'd said to her, and I think it's worth raising. And then I saw this clip on a podcast, which fits in perfectly. And what I had said to her was, "Giving you something you think might fix your problems, but it won't. Mm. Like you need to realize, like the knowledge is more important than the money." Yeah, yeah. 
and I was listening to PBD through the week and he was reciting something from a book that he's reading and I just wanted to play that, just a little clip hmm. because it's, I think it's very, uh, I think it's very important. Now, also, I, I have had a distrust of charity, right? This, this article is about charity. When I was very young, I remember seeing those, the World Vision ads used to be on the TV all the time and you'd see yeah. a kid with a bloated stomach and flies around their face and it's like, for a dollar a day, you can go and help, help these kids. And I remember thinking, oh, that would be a really nice thing to do. And then years later, I remember thinking, wait, they're still playing the same ads. That's right. And I remember looking up like how much they'd sent. And back then it was, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, nothing seems to have changed. Yeah. And then I, I got very skeptical skeptical about charity. Mm-hmm. And then I'd heard that some of these charities don't give as much as what they they uh, what uh, as what you would assume they would give to the actual yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And then I think in the crypto, once I entered into the crypto world, that was really about oh, like this whole technology is designed to give people direct power and to flush out any of these intermediaries. Yeah, yeah. But I thought I'd play this. This is from PVD. It was a Michael Saylor. Uh, he was the guest. He's not in this clip, but I, I suggest anyone go and watch this. Uh, this one, this was a really good one, but I'll just play this a little quick. Yep. Uh, oh, man, I got to find this to tell you. There it is. Okay. He says over a trillion dollars of charity was given to Africa. Do you know what percentage of the money that was given to Africa was actually used and went to the people? 15%. 85% of the trillion dollars that was given to africa to help everybody was like we're gonna help africa we are the world we are the children every this what a great cause let's keep raising money dude only 150 billion out of the trillion dollars went to the people what happened to the 85 trillion dollars and then he continues talks about never do for the poor what they're capable of doing for themselves this is a guy that's been i just want to i'm going to replay that part because that this is something that I'll take with me forever, okay? Mm-hmm. Poor, what their billion dollars. And then he continues, talks about never do for the poor what they're capable of doing for themselves. Never do for the poor what they're capable of doing for themselves. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that's hugely important, right? And it was kind of in line with the discussion I had with my friend. It's like, yes, this lump sum of money will pay some bills for sure. Yeah. But it doesn't fix the fact that you weren't in a position to pay them in the first place. That's right. Okay, so what do you need to do to get there? Uh, Now, I think he does go on. This is a guy that's been doing charity for 40 years, and he says, I'm here to tell you more churches and charities are destroying communities coming from a good place, but they're hurting them. So I'm listening to this recording. It has nothing to do with politics. All he's doing is calling out churches. And he's calling out charities. And I said, I'm like, well, what is this guy's point? You know, look, look at the subtitle right there, Tom. How the church hurts those they help and how to reverse it. This is a guy that's a Christian guy that's been raising money for 40 years. And he's saying this. The more you read the book, the premise is you think you're helping people by giving them money. You're actually not. You're hurting these people. So when these guys were talking about let's send money to people. Let's do another trillion dollars. Let's do another trillion dollars. Let's do two. Let's take care of these people. Let's do what's Andrew Yang's plan about a thousand dollars every month being given to people. What did he call that? Uh, UBI, universal basic, basic income. income. Let's send people money. This is, we can afford it. 
We can afford it. We can afford it. Well, well they what? need a living wage. Wait, who determines what the living exactly. wage is? And the government starts turning the dial on what a living. You know what a living wage? Buddy, a truck now? All this money they send to help the poor. You know what they really help? The rich. Because what they yep. don't realize, poor people's problems is their habits. Listen, when I was broke, and if it was $50 in my bank account, all I knew what to do with the $50 was what? To spend it. If I had $500, guys, let's go out. It's on me. If I had $400, I had such a poor, broke mentality with money. Until that changed, nothing was going to change. I've got some example of this. So whenever I talk to people about investing, right? So I, I, I'm, I'm big on it. It has been uh, um, it's formative in my life. It's really, really helped me out. It's, it's, Putting some money aside early on, started investing early on. Gave can, sorry, mate, can you just flick the screen back while you're talking to? Oh, yeah. Sweet. Um, investing early on gave me options that a lot of people don't have at my stage of life. Yeah. Okay. So it has been very good. But the one thing I notice that happens all the time is whenever you mention to someone you need to start investing your money, They'll always say the same thing. So the poor people, the poor ones will always say the same thing, which is, oh, yeah, 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 look, I've got some bills to pay. I'll, I'll, once I save like 10 grand, then I'll start investing. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Wrong. Everyone that says it stays broke. They'll never yeah. do it. Because if you've never been able to save 10 grand before, you've never saved now. And the what I find is everyone thinks that investing is a luxury. Mm. But I never thought of it as a luxury. I thought of it as a as a debit. Yeah, like a necessity. I thought it was like, it's like a, bill. a liability, a necessity. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, just like you have your fuel money and your grocery money, I had investing money, yeah. and I always made sure that that investment money was out first, mm -hmm. so that I couldn't spend it on some bullshit. It was always it was always going into that thing, and then you just get used to not having it. You just used get used to it going away. Yeah. So. It's not that that poor mentality that he's talking about is a real thing. It's the 100%. mentality. It's it's not your situation. It's no. your mentality around it. As soon as you decide, oh, okay, I'm actually going to take this thing, thing seriously. I'm going to make the uh, put the measures in place and get myself financially secure. Now, also the other thing, a lot of people want that quick, quick, quick release. I had another friend who has a job, clearly doesn't like the job, mm -hmm. earns great money though. But because of that, he's stuck in this like, well, I can't leave because the money's good, mm. but I hate it. And it's like, well, uh, and it, but he wants all these like quick, uh, get rich quick things. So it's not, he doesn't want to get rich quick. He wants to get out quick. Yeah. But he doesn't want to get out at a cost. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if your life sucks... He views it as a cost because yeah. he's just looking at the finances. He's not looking at his life in, in general. Yeah. Bingo, bingo. Um, sorry, you continue to make another point? No, that's it. That, that, that's basically that uh, a couple of epitomies that I had during the week. Mm. Uh, epiphany, sorry. Epiphanies. Epiphanies. Speaking to a couple of people and then listening to this podcast sort of all tied it together mm. nicely. You have to become personally responsible you have to make action yeah you have to make actions towards this it's and not just going to happen you're never just going to have the windfall and i find that a lot of the people that don't have the money are big gamblers 
right? So, yeah, okay. so people that are quite happy to, 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 to like a lot of people say, oh, I don't have the money to invest. I'm like, but you got a sports bet account and you put 50 yeah. bucks a week in it. But that's get I'm rich saying quick mentality 50. too. They think they're going Absolutely. to have a punt and hit the big time. And yeah, like what, what you're saying is exactly right. It is a broke mentality. And the first thing that you need to do is actually get yourself financially educated because most people are financially yeah. illiterate, completely financially illiterate. Yeah. And you see examples of this all the time i.e. how many stories have you seen about people who win the lottery and they're broke within 12 months because they spend all of the money? Yeah, Um, because the money is not the solution. It's how you get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, How many times have you heard about the, you know, NFL quarterback who comes through, signs a $20 million a year contract, is in the league for four years and medically retires and they're broke in two years' time? Yeah. Like, they made $80 million in four years and then they're broke. And that's like, it just goes to show you the money's not the solution. The money's not the solution. Financially yeah. educating yourself and taking personal responsibility for your situation is the solution. And that's where you need to start. And to, put, to paint a bit of a picture, and, and people don't realize what, like, uh, like the in quotations advantage that rich people have. If you build that capital up, if you had a million bucks, that million dollars could probably generate at 10% could probably make you a hundred thousand dollars between eighty and a hundred thousand dollars a year passively without ever drawing down on that amount. Yeah. So if you had a million bucks and you could live off a hundred thousand dollars, you don't have to work. That's that's you doing nothing, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, 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 nothing. And everyone just thinks that's a pipe dream. A lot of people earn a hundred thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything with it. They're just that's spending right. it. Yeah. But the quicker you get that, you know, the quicker you make that. Uh, plunge into into investing and and allocating that resource to it the quicker you're going to get to the point where it makes no sense to work uh like to sell your labor for an hour when your capital is going to make you more money than what you would if you're working yeah right right. yeah that's not some utopia heaps of people do it the smart ones do it and i feel like a lot of these like young uh millennials they'll probably get there a lot quicker than what, what us working generation do. Yeah, I think because so. Because they're not going to cop the bullshit work. They're going to figure out a way to do it and they're actually going to apply themselves to do it. And they probably won't have some of the constraints that uh, our age people have. They won't have a mortgage. They won't go and buy a house. Yeah, yeah. Because they'll realize, oh, I want to get financially secure first and then I'll That's get right. a house. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, just think about trying to, being a young person, trying to save a 20% deposit. You need to be financially literate now to just be able to save the deposit up if you want to go and buy a house. So by the and time said, you save that twenty percent deposit, yeah, you might even be smart enough to go. Mm, you know what? There's actually better things I can do with this money at the moment to to make more What's money. What's the average price? What's the average price of a house in Australia? Six hundred. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the average mortgage in Australia is about five to five fifty. Roughly. What's twenty percent? Uh, hundred and fifty grand. On a six hundred thousand okay, so dollars property. Yeah, so if you've got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, is your one hundred and fifty thousand dollars going to go better into a property that you then now have to pay effectively a rent to the bank to, mm-hmm. or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars if you could find something paying you eight to ten percent is going to pay you fifteen thousand dollars a year, like twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a year in passive income. Yeah, well, I'll tell you right now, with interest rates going the way they are on a mortgage, it's a terrible investment to take out a mortgage and buy a big house now. Well, I had an interesting conversation with one of my real estate friends this week too, mm-hmm. because uh, he was like, "Oh, no one, no one guessed that the uh, interest rate was going to go up again last month." I'm like, uh, "Yeah, dude, we did." 
like we spoke about it here. Yeah. I predicted 12 months ago that it was going to be 12 uh, straight interest rate rises, right? And we had 10, no, 11, we had 11. And then when they didn't raise it on the last month, the month before, what did I say? I said it was a pump fake, okay? Yeah. It's just it's just to give you some hope and then it's just going to ramp up. I spoke to one of the guys on my team, he's a financial advisor, and I said, what's the future look like to you? And he goes, it's bad, it's bad. And I said, okay, well, I think that the reserve bank rate will get to 7.5%. And he go, and he's like, what, what got you to that number? And I told him, I said, the metrics that have happened in the past have been less dire than what they are now, and they've hit 7.5 twice before. So it makes sense that it'll hit 7.5 again. And he said something interesting. So he said, they have to do it. They have to get there. But he doesn't think they have the balls to do it because it's mm. political suicide. Yeah. But he said the uh, both both doing both is terrible. So raising interest rates to seven point five percent means that your mortgage rate will be ten percent or just over, mm-hmm. which is going to be what double what people's current ones are that have yep. already inflated, right? Double your payment. Mm-hmm. But if they don't do it, this thirty percent inflation that I know they're saying seven, but we all know fuels up thirty, foods up thirty, um, uh, the like like um you have to look at the, what they what they actually factor into an inflation calculation too because i'm pretty sure they don't include things like housing in there yeah um, yeah, yeah so they they, yeah. they pick some very specific metrics but really we all know that there's 30 percent uh, uh, we're all getting stung by 20 to 30 percent more yep and he said if 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 they don't raise the interest rates that 20 to 30 percent will stay and the wages will never catch up. So it'll actually inflate away, like make it even worse. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, we're we're going to be burnt either way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I, I guess the, the like you just said before, it's a, your priority should be getting educated. What, what's your situation? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do to maximize your, uh, your finances going forward? I think it's yeah. really important. Yeah, because like you just you just have to, and we we spoke about this so much during the pandemic, especially around the conversation around vaccine mandates and those sorts of things. Everyone who not everyone, but many many people got put into a situation where they were forced to choose whether or not to get vaccinated. If you mm-hmm. get your finances sorted now, and something else comes along down the line, you may not be forced to make that decision. You might be able to go, mm, you know what, I'm not playing your game, I'm out. Because mm-hmm. I've got enough of a war chest behind me that I can afford to just chill for a little while. So mm-hmm. learn, like, you know, people who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Learn from the pandy. Like, the pandy was, there were so many different, like, life lessons rolled into the pandemic in a three-year period that we can all learn from moving forward. Financially is a huge one personal health is a massive one mental health is a massive one uh learning to stand up faster when the government's doing bullshit that we know we shouldn't be doing that we feel it in our gut like all that all those lessons take those things and learn from them in the mm. future uh otherwise can i talk about your war chest them. so the war the war chest i think is really interesting people are reluctant to a have one because i think there's a negative connotation with having to use it 
and B, they're scared of using it. But mm. you did it. I did it. Yep. I used my war chest. Yep. Like when when I when I moved out, I so when I left uh, working for the man, I used my entire war chest. Right. I was all in. I'm right back where I was. If anywhere, I'm I'm further ahead now in three years than I was when I did it. Yeah. Because the way you built a war chest, you know, you can always build it again. Exactly. But there's there's definitely a, a an epidemic of famine mentality out there where mm-hmm. people think, I'll never get there's no money around the corner. Of course there's money around the corner. That's it's just right. up to you to go get it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. We we've got a lot to get through. So let's move on to the next subject. What do you want to go yeah. through first? No, no, up to you. What do you want to do? Let's start with let's start with Rochelle Walensky. Because I think this is really interesting. Uh, so Rochelle Walensky is, well, now the former... Well, actually, no, she is still current. So Rochelle Walensky is the CDC director. And she announced this week that she will be resigning from her role as the director of the CDC. Now, I did get you to look up today, Alex, when it was that she actually began her tenure. Because it was during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Was it late 2020? Like December 2020? Was that right? December 2020, yep. Yeah, Okay. So this is, this is interesting. So Rochelle Walensky, she ran the CDC, uh, which is the Centers of Disease Control in America. So her voice, along with Anthony Fauci, they were probably two of the most influential people globally when it comes to the handling of the COVID pandemic. Now, so she began uh, late 2020, which is just before the vaccines were approved. Okay. And she's just resigned now. Now, this video, so I, I found this on Rumble on a page called Sunfellow on COVID-19. They do a lot of different videos. This gives you a bit of a rundown of uh, her career as the director of the CDC. Uh, it's got some video clips through it, which have, uh, which have audio, but it's also got a lot of sections where it's just got the writing. So I'll read that out to you as it goes. Uh, I would love for us to listen to the whole thing and go through it together because this literally paints a picture of this is this is not just her. Everyone that we've spoken about who has now resigned, uh, who were these key leaders during the pandemic, they were all brought in to do this same job and they're reading off the same hymn sheet. And I think this is a really good breakdown of her time in that position. So the- just a bit about um, wasn't there an issue? Was CDC director the one that they had the they couldn't fill the position for ages? Was it, was that CDC or was that something else? Am I thinking of a different department where a guy um, quit and they didn't replace for ages and ages? No, I th- I think that was the director of the FDA. Ah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it was the FDA. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you want okay. to play this? Yeah, so we'll start with this. So it says Rochelle Walensky recently resigned her position as director at CDC, so you can play the video. It's got the media release there. I'm not going to read that. On her departure, Biden praised Walensky for her honesty and integrity during the pandemic. But is this, thru- is this true? It is not. A video review of CDC Director Rochelle Walensky's failed legacy as a public health science communicator. To start, Walensky regularly encouraged fear and panic. Is this what a good leader does during a crisis? I'm going to pause here. I'm going to lose the script and I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where. I'm just going to pause it. 
can you see her eyes? Yeah. She's reading a script. So she said she's going to throw the script out, but you can clearly see her eyes darting to the bottom, reading the script. Exactly. Now, key thing too, so the date, March 29, 2021. So this is just after the vaccines were approved. We started our vaccine rollout in end of February, 2021. Uh, America started as a couple of months beforehand. Where we are and so much reason for hope. But right now I'm scared. After spreading fear that very same day, Walensky proclaimed the antidote and she lied relentlessly. Watch. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. There was no good evidence that the vaccine provided sterilizing immunity, not even at the time Walensky made this claim. Whether to deceive herself or the public into taking a vaccine that she thought best, Walensky lied. Just a month and a half later, Walensky would then lie under oath to Congress. Lying under oath to Congress is a felony. Can you, if you were to get infection with and vaccinated, could you give it to somebody else? Were you silently able to spread it? Those data were not covered in the clinical trials, but now data have emerged again that have demonstrated that even if you were to get uh, infected during uh, post-vaccination that you can't give it to anyone else hold on can we listen to that part again because does she not contradict herself yeah go back and listen to it again and vaccinated could you give it to somebody else were you silently able to spread it those data were not covered in the clinical trials but now data have emerged again that have demonstrated that even if you were to get uh infected during uh post-vaccination that you can't give it to anyone else okay okay, so explain to sorry explain to me so she's saying you can't give it you can't give it yeah when you're vaccinated yeah but how did you get it when you're vaccinated yeah because it doesn't stop transmission even though uh she had previously said that it did and she had previously said that the trial said that it stopped you from getting infected in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Walensky went from vaccinated people cannot get infected to vaccinated infected people cannot transmit. Both are untrue. These were misrepresentations of the scientific evidence at the time, not in retrospect. These lies destroyed trust in public health. And just on this, we knew this. We were talking about this. You can go back and look at our shows. We had said this because we knew that there was no data to support this. We knew this was something that you could just say and people believed it, but there was no evidence to prove this. Yeah, and and guys, you got to remember, like, think back to that time. So think back to early 2021 when the vaccine rollout was first beginning. We were still talking about COVID-19 being a novel disease that we'd never seen before. Uh, We were talking about mRNA vaccines being a novel vaccine technology, which we have never even used before. And yet, after a very, very short time of even approving these vaccines, we've got these uh, health officials coming out saying these absolute statements, which were just purely designed to get people to take these vaccines when they know like we know now and we knew back then too because like you said we we knew there was no data because we were keeping an eye on it 
they knew full well they had no data and they were just lying through their teeth the entire time. Mm. And that statement there, these lies destroyed um, trust in public health. Like, we're, we're going to feel the effects of this for years now. All right, we'll mm. continue. That same month, Walensky would go on television again to spread more fear, this time about COVID in children. In the month leading up to the recommendations of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines for teens and adolescents 12 and older, CDC observed troubling data regarding the hospitalizations of adolescents with COVID-19. More concerning were the number of adolescents admitted to the hospital who required treatment in the intensive care unit with mechanical ventilation. Tomorrow, we will publish a report on this topic with more details in CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. And it, it is these findings with this, within this publication, one that demonstrates the- Hey, get your script writers to write you stuff that like is a bit easier to read off the screen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she sounds so <laughs> natural, doesn't she? Twister. Level of severe disease, even among youth that are preventable, that force us to redouble our motivation to get our adolescents and young adults vaccinated. Last month, FDA authorized and CDC recommended a safe and effective vaccine for COVID-19. I love that word. You see it all the time. Safe and effective, safe mm -hmm. and effective. If you say it, it's true. That's right. Team ...that can be used in adolescents to prevent disease and hospitalization. I strongly encourage parents to get their teens vaccinated as I did mine. All right, pause it there. So that was from May 3rd, 2021. Now, anyone who's been following the podcast or anyone particularly who lived in Queensland will remember uh, in December 2021, or might have been just prior to, maybe it was November, uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk, our Queensland Premier, got up in Parliament and did this whole won't somebody think of the children thing and started saying the same sorts of things around children's hospitalizations and illness and blah, 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 blah. And remember, we said it at the time, why are they talking about this now all of a sudden? And it was because a month later, the TGA approved vaccines for kids. So you have to remember, you have to think that this clip from Walensky, where she was saying the same talking points, was six months prior. So you would assume that all these public health agencies are all around the world, are all talking to each other. So why is it that that six months prior when they were approving these things and trying to jab kids in America, were we not hearing the same things then? Well, the answer to that is that we had not yet made the decision to approve these vaccines. But as soon as we did, we started spreading the same fear, which we weren't spreading at this point. I have a question. Why do you think there was a lag in Australia? I... Look, it's really, really hard to say. I do think that maybe one of the issues was because of the seasonality of the virus at the beginning of the pandemic, oh. which seemed to go away, yeah. right? Sure. Like uh, over that summer period, we seemed to get more cases than, than we would expect. But that first year, it really did seem to peak during winter and then sort of ease off uh, during the warmer months like most respiratory viruses do. Actually, so, I think we spoke about this. I think we spoke about it uh, back when it was happening, purely because we had to wait for the... I, I, I think we spoke about having to wait for the winter to come to hit it before they could ramp it up, before they yeah. had the excuse to say it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, anyway, I just found, find that interesting. So let's continue. The claims that Walensky makes from this report are dramatically overstated. 
Here, for instance, is the rate of hospitalization among adolescents. So it's got a graph here for audio listeners. It's the gray line that's dashed right at the bottom. It is barely even above the baseline of the, uh, the x-axis. It's effectively zero. Yeah. But this CDC report was biased in a number of other ways. For more, and it's got a link to that the report, the CDC, in fact, systematically lied about the risk of COVID in children. Um, so there's a, a, a study here, and it's just the title is Statistical and Numerical Errors Made by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention During the COVID-19 Pandemic. Oh, there's Vinay Prasad on that one. Yeah. Walensky would remain consistent with this messaging throughout the pandemic, despite vocal criticism. Here's Walensky in mid-2022. COVID-19 was among the top five leading causes of death in every age group of children under the age of 19, and the number one infectious cause of death in children. Indeed, this claim is false. It was repeatedly debunked by Kelly Cronhurt. Uh, indeed, this false claim was a major reason that the COVID vaccine was approved for small children. Misinformation has consequences. This exaggeration was used to push the COVID vaccine in children. Vaccines have risks. To justify their use, their benefit must exceed their risk. In children, do benefits exceed risks? I want to risks? start with myocarditis, that rare heart inflammation. The there are now more than 300 cases being investigated. Of course, that's out of millions of people who've been fully vaccinated. Is there enough evidence, though, now to officially confirm the link between the vaccines and this rare condition? Good morning, Wood. Thanks for having me. Um, we certainly are uh, looking at this carefully. We have an ACIP meeting that has been uh, scheduled for next week, and we are going to be uh, eager to look at the data uh, during that meeting. What I will say is over 200 million doses of vaccine have been given, and really these events are really quite rare. They are, as you note, minor, self-limited. They generally um, uh, resolve with... What does self-limited mean? I think it's just a fancy way of saying that um, they take care of themselves and you don't need to treat them. Like COVID. Yeah. yeah. Rest and standard medications. And um, what we're really saying is the risk of the um, disease itself. We've had 300 pediatric deaths. We've had um, over 4,000 children with the M. Look at, look at the, her, like her face as she says we've had 300 pediatric deaths. Like, she looks upbeat and happy while she says it. She doesn't look... Also notice, too, this... I think the framing of this shot is really bad. She's blinged out. She's got really nice earrings on. Like yeah. Like a diamond necklace. That She's sitting in front of, like, a sculpture in the side that looks very expensive. Yeah, in an it's apartment that look. looks like she's upgraded in the last 12 months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In cash yeah. syndrome that have resulted in even more deaths, 36 more deaths. And so what we're really saying is in that context, these um, cases of mild heart inflammation. Um, the, the Is any heart inflammation mild? Fuck no. Now, just, just since you paused it there, um, you'll see the little byline at the bottom here says agency investigating 300 plus heart inflammation cases in vaccinated youth. So she had just said that they apparently have had 300 um, pediatric deaths 
from COVID-19. And remember back at this point in time too, it was, we were still doing the from COVID-19 thing. We hadn't changed mm. to with yet. Uh, so 300 plus, so you, they've already got at least as many heart inflammation uh, cases from the vaccine as they had pediatric deaths from the virus itself, apparently. So it was the same, same. We also knew at this point too that the vaccines didn't stop you from getting the disease, right? So, but, and yet in her scientific uh, knowledge, she is still advocating to give these kids this risk, even though they're still potentially going to get COVID. That, which are quite rare, um, that are overwhelmed by the benefit of getting vaccinated. Is this true? Walensky had never conducted a risk-benefit analysis, so she couldn't have known. She was making things up. Uh, so here there's a, an original, an, a study. So the, COVID, uh, sorry, the Pfizer COVID vaccine-associated myo-slash-pericarditis in adolescents, a stratified risk-benefit analysis. A study published six months later using data available at the time showed the opposite of what Walensky said. In boys without comorbidities, the risks of myopericarditis far outstrip the benefits to preventing COVID hospitalization. Did Walensky care about science and public health, or did she really just care about vaccines? These are not the same thing. Walensky would also lie just, about masking. Sorry, just on that, that previous line, we knew from the Australian side especially, it was not about fixing covid it was remember it was about vaccine rollout that's right remember all the law, laws all the rules all the suggestions that were made were to make sure that the vaccine rollout was not inhibited that's right so it wasn't it had nothing to do they weren't talking about curing it remember that herd immunity just disappeared yeah it wasn't about that it was purely about lifting the rate of vaccination that we, was it that was assault we they even brought in the military to, sorry, yeah, we even brought in the military to handle the distribution of the vaccines. Yeah, like they didn't, well, they didn't handle that. anything else except maybe protesters in Sydney that one time. But they did handle yeah. the distribution of the vaccines because that was the most and important in thing. In the UK, that that military organisation was it the seventy seventh brigade that yeah. does the uh, the propaganda censorship. Yeah. Mm. So Walensky would also lie about masking. Watch. November 5, 2022, I'm assuming this is. Why do I still need to wear a mask? The evidence is clear. Masks can help prevent the spread of... She's not wearing a mask in this video, by the way. <laughs> ...COVID-19 by reducing your chance of infection by more than 80%. Whether it's an infection from the flu, from the coronavirus, or even just the common cold. In combination with other steps like getting your vaccination, hand washing, and keeping physical distance, Wearing your mask is an important step you can take to keep us all healthy. Get vaccine facts. We can do this. Meta-analysis of more than a dozen randomized controlled trials have shown that masks have little benefit to respiratory infections. We remember we had seen heaps of, I think we reported on it. Was it Stephen Crowder who, who put a... Um, did he put a heart, like a blood oxygenation level on his finger yeah. and then did a workout through it to say, to say that it's actually has a negative effect? Mm -hmm. I think I seeing a mask now makes me think that there's, there's mental illness there. 
Hundred percent, absolutely is. Yep. This was known at the beginning of the pandemic, and Fauci himself acknowledged this in the New York Times at the end. Just, just pause it again. Uh, on this note, this was known before the pandemic because all these studies about masking had been done prior to the pandemic, and that shows that they have little protection when it comes to respiratory viruses. So we all knew this. The scientific community all knew this, and then they pretended they didn't know it during the pandemic. Uh, nonetheless, Walensky spread the outrageous misinformation that masks prevent more than 80% of infections. In February 2023, she doubled down on this despite a recent Cochrane review that we covered on the podcast, clearly demonstrating that masking shows little benefit. The problem with this is that I had uh, doctors who spent years in medicine tell me that, that the masks were not effective. Um, and yet these were being forced on people. They're forced on school kids. And, uh, you know, when you combine, particularly young kids, uh, we're seeing the devastating impact that it had on their educational attainment. And it, it, it kind of surprises me that the NIH, CDC didn't do any follow-up testing, uh, even while this was going on to determine the effectiveness of this and the impact it was going to have on kids. Yeah, I appreciate, you know, um, in order to do a randomized clinical trial, you need to actually have equipoise in the question. And ultimately what would happen, what happened is that there were so many studies that demonstrated time and time again in the height of COVID transmission that masks were working to prevent transmission that I'm not sure anybody would have proposed a clinical trial because in fact there wasn't equipoise to the question anymore. As a former chief of infectious diseases at the Harvard Hospital, Walensky had to know this was false. She said it anyway. Why? On March 3rd, 2022, she gives us a glimpse into that question. Watch. Could we have improved? Um, well, you know, I think, I can tell you where I was when the CNN feed came, that it was 95% effective on um, the vaccine. So many of us wanted to be hopeful. So many of us wanted to say, okay, this is our ticket out, right? Now we're done. Um, so I think we had perhaps too little caution and too much optimism um, for some good things that came our way. I, I really do. I, I think all of us wanted this to be done. Nobody said waning when, when you know, mm -hmm. oh, this vaccine's gonna work. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe it'll work, it'll wear off. Um, nobody said, well, what if the next variant doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as potent against the next variant. Can you just pause there for a second? Uh, on that note where she was saying at the beginning no one talked about waning when the vaccine rollouts first began and no one spoke about whether or not it would still be effective if a new variant came along it makes you wonder doesn't it why we ordered 10 vaccines for every man, woman and child in Australia right at the beginning hey don't you yeah. find that funny and, uh, yeah and what 40 masks for every person in Perth yeah yeah uh, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky's legacy is one of a failed science communicator of someone who repeatedly misled the public about science in order to push an agenda that she hoped would be, in quotation marks, helpful. This destroyed the public's trust in the public health establishment and in science. I think this just sort of wraps the video up, so we can just leave it there if you like. Yeah, the American people deserve better. So... 
I, I really wanted to share that with all of you because this mm. this has happened all around the world and we've seen it everywhere. So in, in Australia, recently, so this year, we've just had John Skerritt resign or, or retire, I should say. So John Skerritt was the head of the Therapeutic Goods Administration, the TGA, which is the body that uh, approved these vaccines uh, as well as approved things like remdesivir early on in the pandemic as well, which we've spoken about before that rem like early on in the pandemic, the hospital treatment protocol, including remdesivir and ventilators, probably killed far more people than COVID was ever actually going to kill in the first which place. Which goes back to what Walensky was saying with, about the 300 deaths. So the yeah. 300 deaths, because they were, and she said they were all on ventilators. Yeah, yeah. Did you kill them? <laughs> now, I will half let them off for the ventilation because they apparently they didn't know. Okay, so you so say even even if you play uh, uh, playing devil's advocate, they didn't know what the fix was. Yeah, there is a problem with that though, and I don't. Uh, I, I sound like someone being questioned in front of uh, the Senate or something like that. I don't have that information in front of me, but yeah. we'll uh, circle back. One of the things with that I know Majid Nawaz has followed up a lot is the whole, and, and um, John Campbell spoke about this recently too, was the midazolam scandal in the UK. So when we, roughly around the same time that we had remdesivir approved over here, uh, doctors in the UK started prescribing, there was a massive uptick in the prescribing of a drug called midazolam, and there was another one as well. And this was because of new guidance that had come out of the... Um, I think it's the NHS in, in the UK, the National Healthcare Service. Uh, new guidance that had come out from them saying, this is the treatment protocol, treat people with, with these drugs. Now, most like this was new news to most people because doctors knew that these drugs actually suppressed respiratory function. So it made no right. sense to give these drugs to people that you were then putting on a ventilator because they didn't have the respiratory function, couldn't breathe for themselves. But yeah. uh, around the time of this new guidance that came out, there was a massive spike in the uh, prescriptions of these drugs and a massive spike of COVID deaths at the exact same time. Sounds ridiculous to think, right? You, you, you're going to cure a respiratory issue with something that affects your respiratory system in a negative way. Yeah, it, it honestly like it made no sense. And look, maybe if you wanted to play devil's advocate and give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe you could say, you know, this is a novel virus. We didn't know enough about it. And we were just trying to throw shit at the wall and see what stuck. And this is what we honestly thought might might work at the beginning. Who knows? But the treat... I, I've said this on the pod before. I don't think that the original variant was any more deadly than Omicron is. I think that the treatment that we gave people in the first year of the pandemic is what killed people. And I just, I just want to sort of reiterate what we spoke about early on before we had like uh, formalized studies that had been done to show that it didn't do uh, the vaccine did nothing for, um, for transmission. Yeah, we were looking at the Google numbers every single day. Yeah, and the Google number of of cases, so vaccines, was going up, mm -hmm. and the case and death rate was also going up. That's and right. I was waiting for a day for it to, to spin around and never came. Yeah, and, yeah. Or, sorry, it did after everyone got it. Well, 
Yeah, well, it, this that'll actually segue us through to the next point. Um, but before we go there, so what I was what I was saying uh, to get back to so John Skerritt, John Skerritt, head of the TGA, he's been there a long time. He was the guy who approved Remdesivir, who approved these vaccines, who didn't approve Nikolai Petrovsky's vaccine, the the Australian designed and um, potentially manufactured vaccine. Um, he approved Remdesivir, Molnupiravir uh and Paxlovid so he approved all those brand new drugs the brand new high money making drugs uh and yet oh and sorry it was also the TGA remember that banned ivermectin in 2021 and just recently last week that we spoke about it uh unbanned ivermectin oh. now what I what I want to point your attention to there and because when we're when we're talking about playing devil's advocate and trying to give them you know, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Think about how quickly all these other drugs were approved and yet the hoops that they were trying to make ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine jump through to get approved for use of COVID-19, even though they were already approved for other indications. So we're three years into the pandemic and they've only just unbanned them and yet they're still saying we don't approve them for use with COVID-19. Like it's, that's, it's twisted to me. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So in other words, to summarize Rochelle Walensky, she was brought in as a big pharma shill to sell vaccines. She was given the most important seat in America, the American health, uh, infrastructure apart from Anthony Fauci. Actually, she's probably, her seat was probably more important than his, uh, when it comes to the handling of a pandemic, because they're the centers of disease control, that's her job. And all she was brought in to do was to sell vaccines, and now the vaccines are all sold, and the problems are all appearing, and now she's out. So she's the next person we need to keep an eye on and see which one of these pharmaceutical companies she ends up working for next. Well, or uh, either pharmaceutical or a BlackRock or Vanguard subsidiary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or she, Bill and, Bill, the usual suspects, Bill and Melinda Gates. Mm-hmm. Um, but your point that you said before about the you're waiting for that point where the vaccine number was going up and you were thinking the infection, the death number was going to go down. Can you go through to the ABS numbers, please? Uh-huh. So we, we have spoken before about the excess deaths, which are happening all around the countries that are highly vaccinated. Uh, I checked out this. So this is the provisional mortality statistics from January 2023 in Australia. So this is the Australian Bureau of Statistics. So you scroll down slightly. The key statistics here. There were 14,547 deaths in January, 12.4% more than the baseline average, but 10.5% less than January 2022. Um, so I think those those two numbers are a little bit confusing because the key point is that in January 2023, we've got 12.4% excess deaths, but the total number of deaths was 10.5% less than January last year. So we're not... In other words, January last year wasn't 22.4% excess deaths. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, the death rate for January was 40.7 per 100,000 people, lower than the baseline average of 41.1 and... Uh, 47 in 2022. COVID-19 caused 213 deaths in February, down from 731 in January. 
So I don't know why they've thrown a the little tidbit in there. If you, if you scroll all the way down, so they go through all the comparisons and age and all that sort of stuff. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Here. Mortality by selected causes of death. Uh, Cause-specific mortality. The following analysis is based only on doctor-certified deaths, i.e. coroner-referred deaths are not included. Any changes in patterns of coroner referral could affect counts of doctor-certified deaths. Some conditions have higher coronal referral rates, like ischemic heart disease, cerebrovascular diseases, and to a lesser extent, respiratory diseases and diabetes. So counts for those conditions would be more likely to be affected by such changes. So COVID-19 stats. In January 2023, there have been 704 deaths due to COVID-19 that were certified by a doctor. I just want you to bring your minds back to 2020. We had 909 deaths in 2020. In the whole year, 909 deaths. And we had 704 deaths due to COVID-19 in January. So this is 55.2%. On the low side. Yeah. Uh, and we're on the yeah, yeah, we're on the low side and with the fully backside. That's right. So this is fifty five point two percent lower than the one thousand five hundred and seventy two deaths in January twenty twenty two and twenty two percent lower than the nine hundred and three deaths in December twenty twenty two. As the pandemic has progressed, the number of people dying with COVID nineteen has increased. Hey. Let me read that again. As the pandemic has progressed, the number of people dying with COVID nineteen has increased. So we're now uh, more than two years into the vaccine rollout and the number of people dying with COVID-19 has increased. In January... And we're not talking about it. Yeah, and we're not talking about it. In January, 220 people died with COVID-19 as a contributing factor to their death, i.e. COVID-19 was certified on the death certificate, but it was not the underlying cause of death. So scroll down. Other causes of death. Deaths due to dementia, including Alzheimer's disease, were 14.3% above the baseline average in January 2023, uh, I'm not going to keep reading the but below in January 2022 because every one of these things is basically below what it was a year ago. Um, the age standardized death rate for deaths due to dementia uh, was 3.4 per 100,000 people in January 2023. Uh, it does compare to the baseline average of 3.3, so it's slightly higher. Deaths due to diabetes were 20. Why? Question, question, question. Yep. Why did they use that method? as opposed to the percentage? I don't know. I, I get the feeling that they use that one when it's close to the baseline average, and then okay. they use the percentages when it's an outlier. So you'll see okay. the next one, they use the same thing. But see, so um, diabetes is 20% above the baseline average. Um, deaths due to other cardiac conditions were 18.2% above the baseline average. Uh the on the goes age standardized the number of deaths due to cancer was 4.3 percent above the baseline average uh deaths due to uh, ischemic heart disease were 8.7 percent below the baseline average now it did say earlier on that those are the ones they more typically refer to the coroner and they've left the coroner's ones out so maybe those numbers might change in in uh in the next over the next few months as same as the cerebrovascular disease what I found really, really interesting about this is the so overall excess deaths twelve point four percent above average. So we are still having more than ten percent more people die per month than we are expecting to have based on the baseline average. The the deaths from COVID cases are decreasing. 
which means the increases in deaths are coming from these other uh, diseases, right? Those big ones that, like like diabetes, for example, being 20% above average, a lot of the other categories which are significantly higher are the ones that can t- can potentially be associated with adverse events and ongoing damage from spike protein exposure like cerebrovascular that um it is it and what boggles my mind like you said before you you said the key point we're not talking about this why are we not talking about the fact that for over 12 months now we have had excess deaths above 10 percent sometimes even getting as high as 25 percent in certain months why are we not speaking about this during the pandemic we shut the whole country down we 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 literally reformed the way our society works in 2020 and we had 909 deaths yeah every single day there was a death counter and we would and then on every newscast it was like one for one what the death count was that day yeah and now the number's higher mm-hmm. and due to covid but even more so for other things and we don't yeah. speak about it yeah like not it's, at all it's mind-boggling so the advice so why are we looking why are we looking at queensland youth crime why are we looking at stolen cars when an extra thousand people died um because we don't want to talk about all the things that we did wrong and mm-hmm. uh kids stealing shit and causing problems are things that uh the old people who still watch the news will go oh we got to fix that problem like that's all it is it's just a distraction yeah right? i also think it might has a, a tie into uh, future uh, censorship on the internet. Oh, for sure, because, because they'll blame the rise in youth crime from, you know, listening to yeah. Andrew Tate on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely agree. Um, speaking of corruption, can we go through to the Joe Biden story, please, Alex? Mm-hmm. Um, so just a bit of a preamble to this. Uh, whilst the Donald Trump circus is is going on at the moment, uh, the GOP are investigating the Biden family, and there. So there has been a lot of uh, accusations thrown at the Bidens over many years. Obviously, we've spoken about Hunter Biden's laptop, everything that was on there. Um, you know, people wanted to focus in on the drugs and the underage girls that he was with uh what a lot of people were really focusing on though was all of his business dealings which were detailed on that laptop as well i.e dealings with foreign nationals from ukraine and china uh in which case he was organizing payments and the 10 percent for the big guy which the uh, indication was joe biden himself now joe biden has denied all of these things he's you know said that they're russian mis- to be forget um, to be fair doesn't know that it happened (laughs) yeah i i think joe biden to me is like that really like the 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 stunning bombshell you know blonde bit like dumb bimbo who just happens to get everything she wants from blokes who i think is just way smarter than everyone else around her and just works it i think that's a bit of joe i think joe plays i think he's the bad guy from the end of I think he's the bad guy from the end of the last crusade who chose poorly. <laughs> yeah, well, he's made some 
Well, you could say he's made some poor choices, but the dude's fucking yeah. president of the most powerful country on the planet, and he's making True. bank in uh, in foreign dealings. But I just to want be to fair, play... he's giving all the power to China. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to play this clip. Um, I'm only going to play. It's probably two to three minutes. They just outline a little bit of what it is that they are alleging that they have backed up by financial records. A lot of the the investigation has come from subpoenaing different banks that have accounts linked to the Biden family, and they've got bank records which back up all of these statements. Uh, come on, man. Yeah, so if you can just play this for me, Alex, it, it only about three minutes. Regarding the transfer of money from foreign entities to the Biden family. M- many of the wire payments occur. I wish they got to go with a different accent to do this. <laughs> yeah. While Joe Biden was vice president and leading the United States efforts in these countries. First instance, while Vice President Biden was lecturing Romania on anti-corruption policies, in reality, he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. Hunter Biden and his associates capitalized on a lucrative financial relationship with the Romanian national who was under investigation for and was it Andrew Tate? <laughs> I don't think later he's a national. convicted of corruption in Romania. The Bidens received over one million dollars for the deal, and sixteen of the seventeen payments to their associates' account that funneled the Bidens' money occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. In fact, the money stops flowing from the Romanian national soon after Joe Biden leaves the vice presidency. This is a pattern of influence peddling. This appears separate from any payment Hunter received from his work connecting this individual to a US law firm. We'll also provide further information regarding the Biden's relationship with China. This includes two individuals the committee is particularly concerned about. One of them, Yi Jinming, had close ties to the highest levels of the... I don't like it how he's using his finger to point on the piece of paper where he's reading from. <laughs> Did you notice? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it does Chinese look like communist- grade school shit, but he's doing better at reading than Joe Biden. I'll give him that. Come on, man. It's party and operated a multi-billion dollar energy company with access to large sums of money. We'll discuss how the Bidens received millions of dollars from this individual through the use of shell companies and wire transfers. In March, the committee released its first bank records memorandum that showed a Biden associate, Rob Walker, used his company to funnel money from the Chinese to various Biden family members. Democrats dismissed the evidence, even though it was based on bank records directly from the bank. The Democrats on the that bank probably doesn't exist anymore. Uh, yeah. The Oversight Committee received the same records as the Republicans, and they were able to verify the information. Democrats said all the bank records showed were Papa John's and Starbucks receipts. They deliberately chose to misconstrue and deny what was clearly in front of them. Hunter Biden's representatives claimed the money was, quote, good faith seed funds but could not explain why those funds had to go through an intermediary in what appears to be an attempt to hide the transfers from the Chinese. Uh, I'm going to put some 
I'm going to start calling some of my irregular transactions in my business good faith seed funds. Yeah, yeah. Keep that word track. That's a good one. Good faith seed funds. They also couldn't explain why the Bidens received over $1 million in 16 different wire transfers over a period of three months to at least five different banks. Papa John's is expensive, man. (laughs) The president, when confronted with this information, said it wasn't true. Instead of being honest with the American people, President Biden has claimed since the 2020 election that his family has not received money from China. That was a lie in 2020, and he continues to lie to the American people now. The Bidens have received millions of dollars from China. It is inconceivable that the president did not know it. The White House refuses to correct the president's statements, showing the president is now using the federal government to run interference for his families and his own role in these schemes. Now I want to say a few remarks about the developments last week. Do we need to go on? No, so we can stop it there. So if you're interested, I encourage you to go and actually watch the whole clip because they literally detail everything that they've got at that point and there's still investigations going. Uh, They found more than $10 million worth of transfers uh, in total so far from Ukraine, Romania and China to, like he said, through about 16 different shell companies That was just from the records of four of the banks that they have subpoenaed. They have eight more banks' records that they're currently going through. And all of these, like you were saying, date back to Biden's time as vice president of the United States under Barack Obama when he was the the minister in charge of relations in Ukraine. And even aside from all of that, there and they don't speak about this but we there's other elements to the whole ukraine story that we've spoken about on the podcast before such as the uh ukrainian biolabs which was set up with good faith seed funding from a a company called metabiota which was funded by hunter biden's hedge fund so there there is so like there is I heard so that much... Hunter Biden smoked that hedge. <laughs> he'd, he'd smoke anything. But, yeah. I mean, and even just down to the basics, like we, the stuff that we knew over a year ago about like Hunter Biden being on the board of, what's the energy company in the Ukraine? In Ukraine, sorry. I can't remember the name. But anyway, so he was on the board of an energy company. He had no experience. He never had to sh- show up to work. But... Obviously, this is so. What they're alleging is that all of these payments are an influence peddling racket, where essentially those payments are to have influence over Joe Biden because he was such. He's been a high-ranking U.S. official for forty years, and during that time, he was vice president. He was the second most powerful guy on the planet, and now he's the most powerful guy on the planet. And do you not find it interesting and convenient? that as soon as he becomes president of the United States, all of a sudden, a conflict kicks off in Ukraine and he's already sent that country $120 billion. And we spoke about the money laundering operation that was FTX, which laundered a lot of that money through Ukraine, back through FTX and into democratic hands. 
and that was just the money that we saw not the money we haven't seen hey where's sam bankman freed alex uh i think he's on house arrest yeah he's still at his parents place but he's he's not in prison he's under house arrest at his parents house yeah like it's it's wild and i do i do think that it's not a coincidence that donald trump has dominated the headlines this week in that whole circus all over right and left-wing media because the big guy is the real story that's going on and they're just trying to obfuscate that truth yep can i give the like have you got anything else you wanted to add no i just want to give um i'm going to make one quick point on the trump thing just for anyone who has seen it hasn't paid too much attention to it whatever just a very quick point so uh trump was uh, apparently found liable for sexual abuse and defamation during the week uh a lot of left-wing things are reporting it as it's proof that he's a rapist even though the jury could did not convict him of rape they acquitted him on those charges uh, a lot of right-wing people are saying this is just a political witch hunt and etc etc and all i'm going to say is this I don't know if anything happened between Trump and this woman, what was it, 30, 40 years ago, whenever it was, but this is what I do now. No, this was a civil case, not a criminal case. And that was because the in New York, New York State, their statute of limitations on criminal cases is five to seven years. Their statute of limitations on civil cases is 20 years. However, in 2022, they changed the laws can't remember the exact name of the bill but they changed the laws so that anyone who had a civil claim that was outside of the 20-year statute of limitations they could bring that um that charge forward and have their day in court but only for a 12-month period so they could literally only do it for 12 months from 2022 so it was like late 2022 the, the that time period finishes in late 2023 and what is fascinating is that this this the woman involved never made an accusation to she never went to the police she never spoke to anyone about it in the past although her i think she's got friends or whatever that she called the witnesses who said that she had spoken about it but these accusations didn't become public until 2019 when they came out in her book that she had written it was like a memoir uh, about her life which just so happened to be a year before the 2020 election. So you had her release her book, which accused Donald Trump of rape. Now, the, the charge that he's getting is found liable for sexual abuse. So, so there was no proof, and, and she had no evidence either, apparently. So there was no proof or evidence of rape, and yet they, the jury was still able to find him liable for sexual abuse. I don't know how that works. It might have been because some of the language he used when he was quizzed about her, saying the like, she's not my type and all that sort of stuff. I guess that might be class of sexual abuse. Um, out of the $5 million payment he has to give her, about half of it's for the sexual abuse. The other half is for defamation. And apparently he defamed her when they told him the accusations he leveled at her and he said i don't know who she is she must be crazy and that's defamation yeah, wow. like yeah, it's right. so like i don't well it would be defamation if the jury found it, him guilty of course 
but they yeah. didn't. And yeah. I just think that that is something that has gone pretty well unreported, and you can corroborate that if you need to. Look it up. I, I know that the um, abbreviation of the bill was like the ASA. It's like the something survivors something. Um, but yeah, literally wild. So they, it, it appears... It is a bit of a political witch hunt. They literally changed the laws in the state so this lady could bring her case forward with no evidence to a sympathetic jury in a state which 80% of them voted Democrat in the last election. So you were never going to get an unbiased jury in that state. Yeah. Uh, it does appear to be a witch hunt. And look, at the end of the day, I don't think that... I don't think any of Trump supporters are going to really care or believe it i think this strengthens his position with them i don't think that uh any democrat supporter is going to think any less of him than they already did so what the purpose of this whole witch hunt was unless it was to try to literally get him locked up like if he got but even then it's a civil proceeding i don't think there's any jail time that's involved with it so i don't know i don't know what the point was i think you even if you go to jail you can still run for president Mm. Yeah, you can. That's a good point. But, um, yeah, so I really... So it's just to besmirch his name. That's it. That's all. The, yeah. they're, they're just trying to put any dent that they possibly can. Yeah. And... But I have to say, I've been wa- I've been watching a lot of Robert uh, F. Kennedy Jr. stuff. Yeah. And if I was an American, that's who I'd be voting for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if you were, if you were a Democrat, that's probably who you'd vote for. Um, it is... He's a very interesting character. And this is one of the things that I do love about um, the sort of clown, polarized clown world that we live in. Let's say that you rolled through to the next election and somehow uh, Robbie, uh, Robert F. Kennedy was able to get the Democratic nomination over Joe Biden. Let's say Joe Biden dies, right? The Democrats, they don't want Kamala Harris. So let's say that Bobby Kennedy gets the gig and it's him versus Trump and you know COVID was very much split across party lines if you were a pro-vaxxer you're a democrat if you're an anti-vaxxer you're a republican but the vaccines were made under Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed and Bobby Kennedy is a hardcore (laughs) anti-vaxxer like people's brains are going to explode Uh, I saw something through the week that they're basically saying that there's no way RFK even will get a nomination because Biden is the party lead and therefore it's up to him to decide whether people can run and he's just going to say no. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure if that's the case. I think what you might be referring to is they've spoken about how there's not going to be any debates. So it's up to Joe Biden as to whether or not there's going to be any debates in the when it comes to running for the, oh, the Democratic yeah, yeah the yeah, primaries yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, which makes perfect sense. Like Joe Biden's biggest strategy during the 2020 election was to hide because of COVID. COVID gave him the best smoke screen in the world because he's like, I'm elderly and frail. I need to be in my basement, not talking to anyone. Still, still not too elderly and frail to run the most powerful country on the planet. But you know, the sniffles. Well, I, he, I can't do his, it. His tactic was actually better than that. It was let Trump set himself on fire. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, and yeah. it worked. And yep. um, but he doesn't have that same excuse this time around so now it's just yeah. like he's literally just come out and gone no nah, no debates 
because you're right like kennedy would just rip him to shreds the only yeah. thing that i think really affects kennedy and it sucks is his voice is difficult to listen to and i think no, it's better just... it's better now it's better I, i've been He's listening improving. to his latest stuff it's, yeah, it's yeah. better it's yeah, maybe. better than biden's yeah i know i know would you rather <laughs> hear a coherent person with a raspy voice or a completely incoherent person with a normal voice yeah, well, I mean, I, I like listening to Kennedy. I I enjoy listening to some of the shit that comes out of Joe Biden's mouth because it's very, very funny. <laughs> but it's just Can like... relax. Oh, mate, it's just mental. It's just... It's, yeah. It is insane, like, especially when you look at what happened in the last... Uh, like, in the midterms with John Fetterman, when John Fetterman got elected. Yeah. And the dude's literally like a vegetable. He's had a massive stroke. Like, he can't speak properly. And it was... He was just after he got elected i think he went to hospital again was in for like a couple of months like that that shows you how polarized that country is where it's like blue no matter who and the republicans are the same like the republicans will never vote for a democrat which but maybe bobby kennedy is one that they could you know he could uh breach the gap a little bit i i think you're right like he wants to drain the swamp he wants to disband the, the cia he yeah. wants to get rid of the deep state which he means he'll to, never he, get elected so he'll he has a high chance get of getting murdered than, than getting elected 100 yeah. percent. and on that note let's leave it there thanks very much for joining us guys we will see you next week